Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision making. Uh, good evening and welcome to tonight's installment of Beyond Governance. Uh, it's amazing what technology can do at times. Uh, sincerely apologize for that. Uh, my name is Nimrod Mbele. Once again, thanks for tuning in on this uh, rather chilly Tuesday here in Johannesburg. Um, you know, it's time flies. Eh? The last time, you know, it was June and we definitely approaching the end of it. Uh, by the time we open our eyes, we'll be hovering towards the second half of the year. And I sincerely hope um, we are all coping under the very difficult circumstances. Talk of coping. Uh, how are you coping? How are you doing? How are you surviving? And I think it's important for us to have this kind of uh, intimate conversation because we just can't assume that we are all okay. Uh, COVID-19 has completely uh, messed our minds, our, our state of minds, and therefore it's important that we always have uh, that kind of a, a intimate reflection on how we are doing. Um, it can't be easy uh, as, as we proceed um, that, you know, this time of the year when it's cold, uh, people are people are desperate and desperate. Uh, are more vulnerable than ever. And I often call upon all the uh, hard listeners, particularly the uh, particularly the, 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 the fans of this particular show, to extend their, their, their helping hand. Uh, one thing for sure is that I'm not oblivious of the fact that um, those who give don't necessarily have much. Uh, you give because you understand the plight of the next person. You, you give because you you, you 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 really want to make a difference in somebody's life. That's that's the fun. That's the underlying uh, thought at least in my mind in terms of. People who give, uh, despite the fact they don't have anything, you, you know, it's either your clothes, uh, you know, old um, yeah, shoes, whatever it is that you can make someone's life uh, slightly more bearable. Anyway, as we proceed, um, the conversation tonight is going to be on African Continental Free Trade Agreement, which was agreed upon back in 2019, and I. Uh, um, we might recall, suppose that had a, you know, opportunity to listen to the show, I think three weeks ago, we had similar conversation with, uh, 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 critical thought leaders, and we just felt the need to, to continue that kind of uh, trajectory, um, uh, so that we're able to deal deeper, uh, on, 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 on the complexities, the complexities of this particular issue. Uh, in making sense of this mind-boggling quagmire, um, I'll be joined by Saul Mudobi, who is the former Consul General for Italy and now the Chief Executive and Group Chairperson at Brand Hill, Brand Hill Africa. Uh, Saul will also be joined by Unati, who both of them aren't necessarily strangers to the show. Unati is the Director at Namahaya Consulting Engineering. Um, before you get to the, the, the kind of design, I'll quickly reflect on one or two things. Um, as a, as a norm, uh, someone thank you very much for the work that you've done. I think you've done a stunning work. Um, and, and please tune in to his show, uh, and show him some love. Um, and if he hasn't really delivered, you know, let me know. I'll have a word with him. No, just kidding. Um, someone is, someone is, is one of those, uh, uh, sterling, sterling, sterling individual. Um, as a normal, I'm not flying solo. I, you know, let me thank the Pussy, Masina as well, to be for putting the show together. Um, and we had a bit of a place this morning. Uh, I don't know what happened on, 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 uh, Kabisa or Pussy on my side. 
Sincere apologies for that. Um, as we proceed, I just want to quickly reflect on a conversation we had with Martin, Martin Kingston last week. If you missed that particular conversation, uh, not to worry, just simply go to our website and download the podcast and show your views uh, uh, with me. Or I'm keen to hear or know uh, what your your your, your take uh, home point were in respect to that particular conversation with Martin Kingston from Busa. Uh, our service line is three four five one nine. The telegram is also six one eight nine five one zero one nine. One quick thing, just before we get to the, you know, the conversation with the colleagues that I've alluded to, I mean, we just need to be very, very careful. Uh, I mean, the numbers of COVID-19 are completely um, out of control. I mean, 8,000 infections on a daily basis, and the numbers are increasing. Surely we have we've absolutely failed uh, to, to, to address um, or to adhere to protocols. I mean, there's nothing under the sun that we don't know. We know that if we put on our mask, uh, people have got access to water, people have got access to sanitizer. Um, every single communication platform, you know, whether, you know, uh, at the palms of our, our hands, all radio, newspapers, the, the market is flooded. Every, we're flooded with protocols, um, uh, requirements, and yet we're not doing it. And yet we're not doing it. Now, I mean, there's a call for a strict lockdown especially for Gauteng, because we've become, um, you know, the, 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 the epicenter, you know, on, for the third wave. And it, we could have arrested this thing. I mean, tighter control is quite important when you look at uh, the, 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 hospital, the, the hospital, the amount of, the amount of hospitals or the, the, the quantums of patients queuing mm-hmm. uh, at the hospital. One thing that I thought we could learn from Israel, I mean, just before the show, I was listening to uh, Simon and Rolin, and I picked up that uh, the numbers in Israel are sort of gradually going up. Um, but, but, but the difference in Israel, based on it, the, the, what I've observed, um, is that the perpetrators were known or unknown, and the law is taking its course for, for those people who have endangered their lives. That's what we need in South Africa. We just need to activate. There's no amount of communication, uh, 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 you know, print media, electronic media, there's no amount of talking about this will make a difference until or unless we address uh, non-compliance. We're going to sit with the third wave, and I hope uh, authorities are taking this thing very seriously by coming very hard on the perpetrators. If you come hard on the perpetrators, uh, you're more likely uh, you're more likely to, to address this, this, this particular issue. One issue that I also want to reflect on, which supposedly a good news particularly in the context of COVID-19. There, that, uh, the Minister of Basic Education announced that the vaccination would be, would be rolled out for, for educators um, this coming Wednesday. I mean, I think it's, it's laudable. I think it's, it's worth, uh, you know, making, you know, uh, noise about. Particularly when you look at, you know, 30,000 uh, vaccines against the total of 410 teachers, uh, if my math served me well, that would take us up to 73%. That's actually quite high. And it will be quite interesting to see the position of the union on that particular issue. Uh, are we going to go back to school? Uh, to what extent the vaccination uh, would, would, would sort of uh, uh, arrest um, or perhaps maybe conv- uh, convince other stakeholders to lobby around um, the education sector? Or we have lost 
so many hours, so many eating hours, and we're not likely going to, uh, to recuperate. But anyway, that's a food for thought. As we get into the gist of uh, tonight's conversation uh, around the, 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 the role of African Continental Free Trade Agreement, which came to light uh, back in 2018 and was about to uh, find uh, a practical application this year. Um, I wanted to paint a picture, um, but before that, let me take this opportunity to welcome my colleagues uh, that I've uh, alluded to earlier, Ndrate uh, Solmarobi. Good evening and welcome to the show, my good sir. Good evening, my chief, and good evening to all your listeners, and also to my co-panelist, Unati. Good evening, sir. Thank you very much. Welcome and good good evening to you. Good evening, sir. Thank you for welcoming me, and I also my regards and, and my greetings to Putsol. Thank you. Great stuff, great stuff. Uh, without any waste of time, I mean, I just wanted to set the scene um, by 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 making reference to uh, the Spanish scuffles we saw at the Pan African Parliament uh, over the elections of the president. We noted, I mean, this, this, that, that kind of a scuffle went viral. We, it was on every single, uh, electronic, uh, platform that you can think about. I think the gist of that, you know, is that lawmakers, both, uh, Sarak and West Africa were sort of in a disagreement around, around, um, the, the, the principle of rotation. Uh, from what we've gathered, or at least from what I've gathered, is that, the West African you know, colleagues are, 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 are opposed to Sarak or is opposed to the principle of rotation. Hence, we saw, you know, uh, chess flying, you know, and there are so, so many martial arts, um, you know, people are kicking when, you know, doing their things. It was, it was quite, frankly speaking, it was embarrassing, um, you know, to see what, what, what uh, our leaders in the continent uh, could lower the stomach, uh, by that. Instead of raising the quality of the conversation, people raise their fist. You can't resolve, uh, any issues, uh, through fist. So, so, so that's in setting the scene. Um, I just want to get, uh, your position, uh, because the reality of the, of the matter is the, 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 the trade agreement is underpinned by setting success condition. But, but before we get to this, the key success condition uh, on what would make this particular noble agreement flourish, uh, I just want to get your maybe perhaps maybe uh, your views based on that particular uh, unpleasant scene, which made me in particular very unpla- un- very uncomfortable and embarrassed to say the least. Uh, Prasol, your take on on, on that particular uh, scenario? To say the least, the the events were extremely worrying. Worrying in the sense that um, Pan-African Parliament um, has members representing all African countries. And for that reason, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say they are some of the cream of the kind of leadership that Africa has. Now, if you have this kind of problems at that level, and I... And I would say Ngugiwa Chiongo uh, spoke about the decolonization of the mind. Now, if you have this problem of a colonized mind at that level of leadership in Africa, then we are we are in trouble. 
uh, along the way, we will then talk about some of the challenges uh, that we are encountering in implementing the Afri- African Continental Free Trade Agreement. But I would say what what happened at, at the Pan-African Parliament is extremely disconcerting because it is happening uh, five, six months into the operation, operationalization of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement whilst we are looking at getting other countries to ratify the agreement and so that ultimately all 55 EU member states could say that they have ratified it and they are ready to operationalize it. Thank you for, for, for that uh, insight, uh, Brasol. I think we'll get back to those kinds of issues that you made reference to. Uh, uh, Unati, your, can you just give, my, give us your, your um, appreciation of the issues that um, I've made reference to earlier in terms of uh, the, 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 scuffle, the scuffling that you've seen? Yeah, I, I, I share the same sentiments. But I think sometimes we, we must just dig a little bit deeper. Because I think sometimes there's a difference of audience or there's a difference of membership. You might find that the people that meet in the AU come, let's take an example of South Africa. Those people come from the executive. They come with the president and the ministers and they come with the, from the executive. The people that meet in the parliament come from the legislature. So it's a completely different group of people notwithstanding the concerns that I share. But you might find that generally in the continent, parliaments are not necessarily the most progressive areas. They are, they are marred by these kinds of petty disagreements generally within the continent, instead of focusing on what is in the best interest of the people. And I mean, I've seen many clips of, of challenges in parliaments in the continent where the same kind, if not worse, kind of incidents um, happen in the continent. But with that as it may, that's the state it's, it's all of these represent the state. So 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 the concerns are shared and 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 um, yeah I, I, I also cannot understand why is that such a a bone of contention to the extent that people would even get to levels of being violent and personal about about such about such issues. So it's, 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 yeah, it is worrying and, and what the implications and the confidence that the public would have in the leaders and the confidence the public has in its role as a stakeholder in cooperation in the implementation and the operationalization of, of these kinds of agreements. Because that's one of the things that, 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 that I find important is what, what are the people in the domestic countries think about these kinds of agreements? Are they ready for these kinds of agreements? But I'm sure we'll talk about that. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for that insight, Unati. Um, you know, uh, let's go back to the, 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 the realities of the African Continental Free Agreement trade, um, which, which um, as I've indicated earlier, that um, promises uh, a whole lot of issues, but as maybe uh, Brasol is one person who's closer um, to this particular uh, environment, can you just give us highlights in terms of what is it before we can get into um, you know into the the critical success consideration for the trade to be successful. 
um, high level approach. So what does it seek to achieve so that we can get to understand why fewer members have actually ratified it? Because it is in the purpose, it is in the objective, which perhaps maybe uh, gives an account or gives us insight on why some of the member states are not ratifying. Please proceed. To give a, a short uh, historical background, uh, the idea of the integration of, of Africa uh, was first mooted by Pixlika Isakaseme in 1906 uh, in his Cambridge um, graduation speech where he spoke about the regeneration of Africa. This was just uh, in response to the 1884-1885 Berlin Conference that we today uh, know as the Scramble for Africa, as it dissected Africa into these many pieces uh, that we have today. But then in, in 1963, on the 24th of May, then Kwame Nkrumah, on the eve of the formation of the Organization for African Unity, spoke about the reintegration of Africa into one. He even spoke about the, the introduction of a continental currency. And perhaps this explains why today the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement Secretariat is headquartered in Ghana. It's in a way paying homage to him. It aims to integrate Africa into one market, a market constituted by 1.267 billion uh, consumers with combined 55 African member states. The 55th one, perhaps I should also uh, emphasize, is Western Sahara. That's why even though if you look at the map of Africa, you may see 54 countries, but there's still one country which is still fighting for its liberation from Morocco, and that's Western Sahara, and it's a fully-fledged member of the African Union. Now, the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement will integrate all these 55 member states into one free trade area, and we are looking at a combined GDP of 3.6 trillion US dollars. And this is quite um, an opportunity for Africa because it aims to increase intra-African trade, which is now sitting at between 16 and 18 percent to 50, 50 percent by 2022. But my guess estimate is that uh, we may be looking at 2024 because when the 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 founders uh, came up with this strategic objective of reaching 50% target by 2022, they didn't anticipate the outbreak of COVID-19. And as we know, initially it was supposed to have been operationalized from the 9th of July last year and taking into consideration the economic lockdowns, it was then rescheduled to January this year. And yes, there has been some movement, we'll get into it, because already 36 countries have already ratified it and submitted uh, their deposit on, on tariff reduction. We are looking at 
uh, the reduction of 90% of, of tariffs on a number of goods, which means that this will bring uh, the, the cost of trade in between African countries very, very low. And for that reason, African manufacturers will be able to compete using price to their competitive advantage, especially against imports from China. There are 18 uh, countries that have just signed, they haven't ratified it, and then there's one country which hasn't signed it and it hasn't ratified it. I'll mention it in this instance, is Eritrea, and perhaps this could be attributed to the political tensions that exist in in the Horn of Africa. But beyond that, you also have a country which is stable like Botswana, which hasn't ratified it, and perhaps with them they have, they have apprehensions around the size of their market. They are thinking that bigger economies in the continent will will swallow up their local manufacturing and and and, and industrialization uh, competence. So this is where we are starting, we, we are right now, but I'm quite confident that, um, uh, things should start moving. In fact, maybe I must also mention, not that I'm naming and shaming, the DRC hasn't ratified it, but with President Chesekedi, uh, being the chairperson of the African Union, I'm also confident that he should be able to get his country to, to ratify it. Yes, with parliamentarians, uh, there are all these problems, but unfortunately in this instance, uh, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement has to be ratified by all parliaments uh, across the entire continent. So for that reason, what happened in, in Midrand has to be cause for concern for us because those are the people who are supposed to be ratifying the operationalization of the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Brasol, for that uh, very uh, insightful, um, you know, historical analysis of where we are at now. Um, and, and perhaps maybe in taking this conversation forward, um, it just might be important just for us to a little bit, you know, go a little bit deeper um, into some of these challenges, uh, without obviously assuming that, you know, uh, uh, Africa is, is, is very complex. It's very complex, it's very complicated. We have uh, a history of colonization, which perhaps maybe accounts for the biggest bulk of the challenges that we've seen. Because, uh, as you've correctly pointed out earlier, uh, Brasol, during the scramble for Africa, uh, you know, we have a whole lot of, of, of boundaries which were artificial, um, you know, uh, indoctrination uh, and so on and so forth, which uh, the colonizers used to, 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 to divide uh, uh, the continent to make it even more difficult. So we, that's kind of a backlog. That's kind of a, uh, things that we need to overcome. Earlier on, uh, you know, uh, you spoke about colonized mind, colonization of the mind or decolonization of the mind. So but practically speaking, um, to make sure that all these countries, because uh, ratify this 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 uh, you know trade agreement, which is fundamentally important uh, for us to move the needle from 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 18 to at least 50 percent, the certain uh, critical success condition that we need to meet. Um, perhaps maybe let me give Unati 
a, a, a view on what are, in his mind, what are the strategic levers which needs to be activated so that we are able to move that particular needle of, of, of market share or at least ensuring that uh, more and more African countries ratify the agreement. Unati, fundamentally, um, what, what, what is the bull's eye in terms of those critical success conditions that we need to address? For an example, let's talk, I mean, you can talk about, you know, a geo, I mean, uh, you know, we can talk about cultural differences, we can talk about diversity, we can talk about sense of peoples or common peoples. But those are my uh, thoughts immediately as I'm thinking about this issue. Uh, we need to find an expression, not only on paper, but in practice. For me, it's, it's, we, 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 we need to look at this thing differently and maybe take a more orthodox approach to problem solving. In other words, what is the problem that we're trying to cure? What is the problem? If, for example, the assumption or the agreement is that the problem is basically economic exclusion within the domestic countries. Now, the question then is, how does the free trade agreement assist with that? Let me make an example about our own country. The latest statistics show that 14% of Africans, there are only about 14% of Africans that have a post-secondary qualification. I'm not necessarily saying there's a strong correlation or 100% correlation between education and economic activity, but surely it plays a significant role. So if you have an effectively an uneducated uh, population, how does this free uh, trade agreement and what impact does it have on them? So the first thing for me is really that let's align the problem with the solution and let there be an alignment between those two things. Two, there has to, and I agree with with Brasol, there has to be political stability in the African countries for there to have the kind of economic stability that we're looking for. If that is not there, the, the chances of this free trade agreement materializing, regardless of what its unintended consequences might be, you need that to be able to do that. The other point I also want to raise is currently how much of the economy of Africa, I understand it's 3% of the world's GDP, is actually as a result of activities of companies and governments that generate the money. In other words, they, this is, these are not loans. And from the World Bank. This is taxes that are generated and these governments are spending within the taxes that they have. And the economic activity is owned by the people in those domestic countries. Because if it doesn't allow for or it doesn't seek to fundamentally deal with economic exclusion, then it might not help the ordinary people in the streets. And I, I've always had a, a very big question mark with the with the comparison with the European Union and 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 and, and you know I want to use an, an analogy where you find that as an engineer you want to build a house but you don't focus on the foundation of the house but you focus on the interconnectivity of the rooms in the house but there's not going to be a house if there's no foundation and I think that's the issue that I don't 
get from the proponents of the free trade agreement is what are the fundamental economic issues that we are addressing and whether this is the best vehicle to address those issues. When the majority of our people in most countries are uneducated, there is no infrastructure in, 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 in these countries for them to actually to be able to even move the goods between the African countries. Even if that infrastructure is put in there, that infrastructure is, is, is owned by the Chinese or is owned by other people from outside. Whether that comes through public-private partnerships, the private partners are always people from outside. It's not people from within the continent that would act in a manner that is in the best interest of the continent. So I, 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 I share the vision, but I'm not convinced that the fundamentals are there for us to be able to achieve what the vision seeks to achieve. So for me, that's where I think Brasol needs to, 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 to kindly uh, help us to, to, to understand the, 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 the agreement even better. Thank you. Very well, Brasol. The ball is now in your court. I mean, I, there are a few things that I want to agree with much on, um, but, but not entirely, you know, uh, um, well, let me put it this way. I mean, I, I'm reluctant to agree with 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 uh, Nati on all the issues. I mean, um, education obviously plays a role, um, but it's it's more than education. Um, it's about it's about it's about societal norms and standards, uh, which obviously part and parcel of education. I mean, I agree with you on issues of political stability. There's a post, there is a positive correlation, but let me just pause and and get Brasol to give us his wisdom on these very complex and complicated issues, which um, would, if not thoroughly threshed out, would undermine the 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 the, um, the, the, the trade agreement, uh, which we all want to see. Russell. Thank you. Um, the starting point is that the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement is only one instrument, one of the many instruments at the disposal of the African Union to address all the societal problems that the continent is facing. And this is based on, I'll take you back to to the NEPAT uh, uh, document, um, um, the, the, the New Economic Partnership um, Agreement for Africa's Development spoke about, I'll just summarize them into four, four strategic objectives. One was about governance. That also speaks to not only what happened at the Pan-African Parliament, but also looking at the democratization and liberalization of politics across the entire department, uh, uh, the entire uh, continent. And the second objective spoke to, to peace, security, and they added one important element, uh, development, to say where there is no development, uh, it is almost impossible that peace and security will exist. And then the third one spoke to the development of infrastructure, particularly your rail, road, and air infrastructure in interconnecting Africa. Because the problem with our current infrastructure on the continent is that you have a mine and there's a railway line starting at, at that mine 
and it's, it is going straight to a harbor, which means that all the commodities that are, that are, that are extracted out of Africa are then exported into other continents and then re-imported back. This speaks to what the African Development Bank spoke about as a, a, a strategic objective on developing industrialization capacity on the continent. And then the last one spoke about ICT infrastructure. In fact, the easiest one we, we flight, um, uh, um, in 2018, uh, journalist Zboom Gadi wrote an article in the Sunday Times uh, business report that showed that if you produce a, an item in South Africa, say a cup of a, a mug, and you want to export this mug to Niger, the mug will go into air cargo, fly to Paris, from Paris back into Africa in, in into Niger, and by the time it lands in Niger, its cost has increased by 350 percent, which means that that mark won't be able to compete uh, on price with products that were produced particularly in Southern Europe because they came from Southern Europe a shorter distance into Niger so they can cut out all products from South Africa, simply because we do not have a direct flight between South Africa and Niger. So NEPAT looked at that. And then after that, during the chairpersonship of the AU Commission by Dr. Nkosazana Dlaminizuba, then they developed what they call a blueprint, strategic blueprint for development of Africa up until 2063, and they called it Agenda 23. So there are a number of strategic objectives, there are a number of instruments, including educational instruments to say, how do we transform the continent? So that addresses what, what UNATI is raising. But in this instance, with the Africa Free Continental Trade Agreement, we are looking at, at, at increasing intra-African trade, but it can only increase if we also jack up our industrialization and, and manufacturing capacity in the continent, so that ultimately we are not just exporting all our raw materials and commodities and re-importing them as beneficiated product. Uh, uh, product Absolutely. Happens Absolutely. Right in yeah. our, so it's deal with the problems that Africa is facing. Okay, no, great stuff. I mean, I, I'm sure, I mean, uh, listeners could definitely concur with your position on those, on those particular issues. I think the point that I'm taking, which I would, I would imagine, uh, Unati, um, is reflecting on and, and pretty much agree with you, um, is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is one of the many, uh, you know, political instruments. Uh, that that obviously appreciate the complexity of uh, the African agenda uh, in terms of emancipation um, and collective bargaining, uh, or, 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 or it is in this particular instance uh, a drive towards um, uh, closer collaboration between and among African countries. Um, but but one of the issues that 
I want us to wrap up because we really have run out of time. Uh, we need about five minutes, um, you know, on this particular issue. And and we, we obviously there are concerns about countries that have not ratified uh, this particular agreement. As you have correctly pointed out, Brazil, unless or until all 55 of them uh, uh, ratify this, uh, obviously we're not going to, you know, get to a point where. Uh, the, the movement of goods um, uh, uh, it can begin to, 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 to be realized. But, but over and above that, um, my, my biggest concern is the disjuncture between um, you know, policy, environment, and programmatic rollout. Uh, because you can have, we can have, in my mind, this is a wonderful uh, policy position, if you like, but, but it's going to take hell of a lot to translate, um, let's take one particular example for instance, just infrastructure, you know, infrastructure backlog, just road. Um, that's one, who's going to fund these kinds of, of, of infrastructure um, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so as we wrap up, can you please reflect on, on, on some of these critical ingredients, if you like, uh, of which if you don't pay attention to them, we'll have all these several uh, interesting instruments. We are meant to, uh, you know, because conceptually, I mean, there's enough brain power to unpack and really get a sense of where things are at. But, but the transitioning of policy imperatives to practical and and, and pragmatic uh, implementation phenomenon is is a big gap, particularly on issues of infrastructure. Uh, literally, Brazil, we've got uh, three minutes, um, in fact, two minutes uh, before we wrap up. Development Bank of Southern Africa, uh, through South Africa being the project champion of the development of rail and road infrastructure that will connect Cape Town with Cairo, um, is very critical. The African Development Bank also plays a key role. They have four main strategic objectives. They say Feed Africa, which speaks to uh, food security. They say Power Africa which speaks to um, power generation and distribution. In fact, Nimrod and I have just suffered uh, power outages this morning. And he struggled to, to connect. I also struggled to, to connect. But the, it's looking at that. The other one is industrialize Africa and the last objective, integrate Africa. That speaks to the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. With me, I'm sending a warning to all Africans to say we need to implement this right now because um, the, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership that includes Australia, China, even though India has withdrawn from it, but it, it has left a window open for it to rejoin, um, they will overtake us because with them, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership is looking at a combined GDP of 26 trillion US dollars and which constitutes 30% of, 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 of global GDP. And that also translates into 30% of global trade. With us, we are in 3.3 trillion and 2%, as Unadi has already mentioned, of global trade, and we are still bickering amongst uh, ourselves. 
we are going to be left out once again. So this is an opportunity for us to get together, to integrate the continent, to forget about uh, linguistic um, uh, uh, differences between African countries. This is my discomfort with with what happened at the Pan-African uh, Parliament, because basically you had the people coming from the so-called Anglophone African countries uh, uh, opposing those coming from the so-called Francophone Africa. We need to begin to see ourselves as one integrated unit, and ultimately we say our development and the future of our children uh, depends on us getting together. And we need to very fast to transform uh, even some some of our regional economic communities like SADC into customs union. Because right now, even though we have started... We're going to have to wrap up because we literally have two minutes. And I want to give... Basically, like we said in 2010, the time is now for Africa to implement the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement. <laughs> I know you're very passionate about this, Professor uh, Unati. Uh, your last package or literally the minute, uh, you know, Professor was very uh, energetic and passionate about these issues. But we ran out of time, literally in a minute, uh, as part of your concluding remark on on what are some of the yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd say I'd say three things. One is the relationship between the different instruments that Brasol was alluding to. In other words, which one should come before which one and how the, the relationship between them works. I think that is important. The next one is that even this Agenda 2063 is still subject to the domestic policy and the domestic resources of each of these countries. And I think that is still very important. And maybe the last point for me is I love what is happening in Ghana. Because I hear the president of Ghana saying, why must we export our cocoa to Switzerland and for Switzerland to sell us their chocolate? Henceforth, we are not going to give our cocoa to Switzerland. We are going to convert our own cocoa into chocolate and we're going to sell the chocolate. That, for me, is really critical. Because then the, the people in Ghana, in Accra, in Kumasi, and many other cities can start using their cocoa to benefit them and participate in the economy of Ghana more meaningfully. Then and hopefully, hopefully that would increase the, the GDP of, of Ghana based on the competitive advantage. But yeah. anyway, that's gonna, we're going to have to leave it here. We're going to have to leave it here. We're going to have Police, thank you very much for coming through. And uh, we had a bit of a technical, we had a bit of a glitch when we started, which took a bit of our time. But be that is made, Rasol Mulobi, thank you very much for coming through, for gracing the listeners with your insight. Uh, Unati, same wise. Uh, we really appreciate you, you coming through. Thank you for having us. Thank you. There we go. That was, uh, you know, Sol Molobi, who is the former consul general for Italy, who is now the executive and group chairperson for Brain Hill Africa, as well as Unati, uh, who is a director at Nemahaya Consulting Engineering, giving us a very uh, impactful insight on some of the fun, on, on some of the key successful success indicators of consideration that the the, the the Africa Trade Agreement would have to attend to for it to become successful. Unfortunately, we're going to leave it here. It's been absolutely pleasure having you. Hopefully, you've enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, in the meantime, shalom and stay safe.